Pentecost Sunday. It's the day that Christians all over the world celebrate the gift of the Holy Spirit. Some people think it's the Father, Son, and the Holy Word, but it's the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I, I want to tell you right up front that I love the Holy Spirit. I'm all about Him. I like all that supernatural stuff that Jesus did. Uh, when I'm around lunchtime, I wish I could multiply bread and fish the way he did. You know, I, I love seeing all that stuff that Jesus has done, and, 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 and my, my problem is I don't see that as much these days. Uh, in the Jesus movement, when our church started, we saw all, that, all this stuff happening. We saw miracles, people he, healed, we saw signs and wonders, we saw, we saw a peanut butter jar that went on for days when it was out trying to feed our friends. We saw, it just seemed normal to us. It seemed natural. The supernatural seemed natural. And that's how I think that it ought to be. Uh, uh, but I tell you, with the supernatural stuff, the Holy Spirit, a whole lot of weird gets in sometimes. <laughs> And I've seen, <laughs> I've seen my cup of weird in, in my lifetime. And it seems like when you announce that you're friendly to the Holy Spirit, every weird person in three counties shows up. And I want to tell you that, that, that the supernatural is wonderful, and it doesn't have to be weird. And so I want to talk to you today a message called Naturally Supernatural. Naturally Supernatural. And I want to... Uh, when the Jesus, at the height of the Jesus movement, we're seeing all that stuff happen, and then things started to, to die down a little bit because people uh, weren't being discipled. They weren't being mentored by the local church, and so a lot of folks fell away. And I was looking around, thrashing around, trying to find someone that, would, that could help me understand some things that were going on, and I discovered this little chubby guy out in California named John Wimber. And he was one of the most naturally supernatural guys I'd ever seen. He came to Little Rock, and, and I loved one of the stories he told. He told a story called The Stuff. He told The Stuff. And you can Google him later on and, and Google The Stuff store. It's a lot better than what I'll tell you. But the story goes that John was playing in a band. It wasn't just any band. It was a band called The Righteous Brothers. He was a saxophone player, and he was an arranger, and he traveled with a band. And so he did all that stuff that you do in bands. You know, when you're working for the devil... He lets you do his stuff. Have you noticed that? We're happy to do his stuff and working for the devil. And that's what he did. He was drinking. He was partying. He was doing drugs the whole bit, living the life. But he started losing his wife. He started losing his health. He started wondering, is this all there is? And so he, he found a Bible and he started reading it. He, he kind of plowed through the Old Testament. But then he got to the words of Jesus and it just lit him up. And he kept thinking, I love this stuff that Jesus is doing. I wonder if I went to church, would they help me with the miracles and the wonders and help me to find the healing I need in my life and maybe restore my marriage? So he went to church. And, now remember, he played in this really good band. You know, you've lost that loving feeling. Some of y'all would have heard about that from your grandparents. You've lost that love. And, he, and so he, 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 sang, he sang all these songs. And he was out there, and he, he knew good music and all that stuff. So he comes to church where the music was pretty bad. And, and, and the communicators were pretty bad, and, uh, uh, but they were pretty religious, <laughs> which was bad. <laughs> so he went to church, and he kept waiting to see if, if they're going to ever pray for people and stuff like that. So finally the third meeting, he goes up to this official-looking guy who had a name tag on, deacon so-and-so. And he said, excuse me, sir. 
when are they going to do this stuff? He said, what do you mean, stuff? He said, you know, the stuff that Jesus did, healing the sick, casting out evil spirits, signs, wonders, you know, multiplying bread, changing grape juice into water into wine. He said, he said, when are you going to do this stuff? And, he, and the guys kind of smiled. And he said, oh, we believe in the stuff, but we just don't do the stuff. And his response was, I gave up drugs for this. <laughs> and how many people in the world would be more happy about the church if we did the stuff? So I'm telling you, we can do the stuff. And I'm telling you from my own experience as a pastor for 45 years and traveling around the world, there is a lot of weird that tries to get in, just like weeds try to get in with wheat. But in the end, it doesn't have to be weird, and it can be wonderful. It can be natural. We don't have to change our personalities. We don't have to hype things up and yell and scream and spit on the first three rows. I mean, I can do that. I came up in a Pentecostal church. I know how I can spit probably four rows back if I need to. So if you start nodding off today and you feel suddenly moist, it's, I can do <laughs> Let's just break this down a little bit. After, after his resurrection, uh, Jesus sent the saints, uh, the, the disciples, to go and wait until they were endued with power. Now, that word endued comes from Greek words. It means to put on, to clothe, to come upon. It's endued. Power is a word from, uh, from dunamis, which, by the way, I've got a confession to make. I have a prayer language. I have spoken in tongues before. So I go to meetings for it. You know, I meet with people that trying to get past that, but I, I do. Well, the first, first time I spoke in tongues, I didn't speak in tongues. I spoke in tongue. I got one word, and it was the word dunamis. I don't know what that word was, but I, but I had that one word, and I just said it over and over and over, and, people, and, and, and the Lord uh, helped me understand what that was. I've got a friend that when he would speak in tongues, he spoke in Russian. He spoke in Spanish and were interpreted not by people with the gift of interpretation, but by Russian people and by Spanish people. So I've seen the wonderful of the gifts of the Spirit and, and how practically they can be used to inspire people to the message of the kingdom, and that's what they're for. You with me so far? You're not going to check out yet? Well, uh, the early church, uh, he sent them to the upper room till they were endued with power, and then you know what happened that day of Pentecost. They were all praying. They were scared. They were waiting on that next knock on the door. It could be those Roman soldiers that carried Jesus to the cross coming to show up to get them. But, but suddenly they heard this loud noise, like a rushing wind. And uh, the people saw something over them. They called it tongues of fire. I don't know what that looked like or what it was, but they saw something. They began to speak in languages they didn't know. And their lives were completely changed. And everybody around them thought they were, were drunk or something, so they must have seen and heard something that was unusual, something that was supernatural. But to them, it was natural. It was something that, that they'd seen Jesus do a lot of those things. They were being empowered to do those things. He said, when you are empowered by the Holy Spirit... 
Then you will go and take this message of the kingdom all over the earth. Well, let's, let's, uh, uh, let's look at Acts chapter 1, verse 1 through 11. Let's put it up here. Let's go ahead and go to John Wimber's picture. Uh, overhead person. You're looking for it? Okay. okay. I want to read this. The early church continued the ministry of Jesus. That was their brief. Not only his ministry, but he said, you remember this? Greater things will you do than I did. Think about that for a minute. Think about that for a minute. Jesus never led anybody to the Lord on the telephone. I got to pray with someone in Australia to come to Jesus on Skype. As far as I know, Jesus never did that. That could be under the thing of greater things. I don't know. Let's get to this. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that... Jesus began to do and to teach. Now, that phrase, do and to teach, we like the second part, teach. It's that first part that we struggle with. He began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, go on to the next. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about one thing, he didn't speak about speaking in tongues. He didn't speak about the Holy Spirit. He didn't say, get the word in you. What he spoke about was the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you'll receive power, and in one translation, you'll be endued with power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's the reason. And in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and the cloud hid him from their sight couple more verses. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who had been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Let me just pray about those verses. Pray with me. Father, I just ask you to let these verses come into our hearts and make sense to us, Lord Jesus. And I pray that we could be like those early saints and we could continue your ministry by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. The early church continued the ministry of Jesus. Now, Pentecostal and charismatic folks, uh, they focus on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When we were in the Jesus movement, you'd hear things like, Did you get it? Surely got it. I'm not, I'm not sure he's going to get it. Did you get it? It was all about this experience, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It was this experience that you needed to get it. But it wasn't an it. It was a person. Third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Now, you have the Holy Spirit. When you're, when you're saved, it's the Holy Spirit that's drawn you to salvation. But, that, but he is a gentleman. He does stand at the door of your heart and he knock. He doesn't kick it down. Say, I'm coming in whether you want me to or not. He waits for us to ask him in. Now, the Holy Spirit's within us, but he wants to come upon us. 
He wants to rise up within us. He wants to come upon us. He wants to do us with power. He wants to release those gifts of the Spirit that He's already sown into our spiritual DNA. We just, we just need to relax a little bit about the Holy Spirit. Don't get so freaked out. I mean, it's the Holy Spirit that's called to point us to Jesus. He's called, he's called us to, to help us maintain unity and the bond of peace. It's the Holy Spirit. But it, people make Him the most divisive element in the world. It doesn't need to be that way. We need to just relax and not be afraid of the Holy Spirit. Somebody said, I'm going to listen a little bit longer. Now, Pentecostal folks, it's all about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Evangelical or word folks focus on, you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Well, Jesus didn't speak about one or the other. He spoke about both. He didn't, we aren't just a word church or a spirit church. The word and the spirit is to flow together. The Holy Spirit will never do anything, anything that contradicts the Scriptures. And the Scriptures will never say, have never said anything that says, be afraid or scared of the Holy Spirit. Word and Spirit are the two horses that pulls our wagon. And the sooner, you, the sooner that we can accept that and even be natural about it, the more the supernatural can show up in our life, the more the stuff can be done, and people can come and realize, I can go to the church and get healed. I can be around people of God, and, and they'll have a word of knowledge for me, a word of wisdom. They can lay the hand, I can lay the hands on, hands on my children, and I can pray for healing, and they can be healed. The supernatural can become very natural, not just for the professionals, all of us, all of us, all of us. Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God. He had one message and one ministry, and it was the good news of the kingdom. Mark 1, 14 and 15 says this, After John was put in prison, Jesus went to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. He said, The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. That's the message of the good news of the kingdom. That's the message of the good news of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is near. Now, I was just at Windsor Castle uh, a couple of months ago. I stood right there where Megan got and Megan and Harry got married the other day. I stood right there in that place. I sent a picture of June. You won't believe where I am. I'm in Windsor Castle where they're going to have this big wedding. I can't believe it. But I was outside, and these, and these, uh, these guards, uh, uh, the, the, the queen's guard, you know, they dress in the big long cap and all dressed up. They march like this. And then, then, then the head guy yells something, and they turn around and go back. You know what he yells? He yells, Repent. He literally yells, repent, because repent means turn around and go in the opposite direction. Amen. And so, and I was amazed in Windsor Castle how the queen had little Jesus stickers everywhere. I mean, they were in, 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 they were in, in bronze, they were, on, they were on plaques, they were on paintings, but she made sure that the gospel was all through uh, Windsor. Then I got outside and I thought, even when you're outside and the guards are keeping you out, they're speaking the word you need to hear, repent. Repent. Turn and go the other way. And I just, and I thought, this guy is shouting out the gospel every time these soldiers turn. He yells, repent. So repent is not feel awful. Repent doesn't mean you're a worm and God's going to almost crush you into the dirt and then maybe he might forgive you. 
It just means change your mind. It means turn and go the other way. We make things way, way, way too complicated sometimes. That's the message, good news of the kingdom. Matthew 9, 35 through 38 says this. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues. Check, we got that. Preaching the good news of the kingdom. Check, we got that. Then look at this. And healing every disease and sickness. Wait a minute. That's the stuff. That's the demonstration. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Now, what I want you to see from these two scriptures is Jesus' ministry had two components, proclamation and demonstration. He began to do and to teach. It really should be demonstration and then proclamation. He began to do and to teach. And I think there's an order there. But proclamation is just sharing the good news of the kingdom. Now, we had to re-educate our, our folks at home about how you share the good news of the kingdom. They thought there was one way, the preacher on Sunday morning making an altar call, or us all going and knocking on doors and sharing the four spiritual laws. And those are all good things. But we had people that were going out and sharing the good news of the kingdom by building ramps for elderly people that had a wheelchair and couldn't get into their house. We could go and, and go to a place that we, in town called Main Street Mission, and we could put together food for the homeless. That's sharing the good news. I went over there and did that one day, and then they asked me to share my story. I shared my story, and 50 people gave their lives to Jesus. All they knew about me is I was over there handing out food. There's all kinds of ways to share the gospel message of the kingdom. If you depend on Pastor Devin and Pastor Larry, it's going to be much less than what God has. We all get to do this stuff. <laughs> we all get to do it. We just haven't been told that or we haven't given ourselves permission to be real disciples of God. You know what Theophilus' name means? It means lover of God. So Acts could really have been written to lovers of God. How many in here are lovers of God? Let me see. Most of you. Most of you. If you're lovers of God, He's in your heart. The Holy Spirit is in you and coming upon you and enduing you with power. Guess what? You get to do the stuff. You get to do the stuff. Demonstration, power, healing. But he always focused on the kingdom. He just began to do and to teach, but it was about the, the ever-expanding, ever-increasing kingdom. Ever-increasing kingdom. Let me give you a thumbnail overview of the kingdom of God message. It's real simple. People ask you, well, what's this kingdom stuff all about? It's pretty simple. We have a king. The Lord our God, our king, created everything. And he trusted creation to Adam and Eve in the garden. He said, you tend it and you look after it. They blew it by sinning. And they turned that authority over to Satan. He deceived them. But the king has a recovery plan. He, he sends his own son, a second Adam, on behalf of the king and brings with him the kingdom of God. What that means is God's rule and reign. The kingdom of God is not just heaven. Uh, it, it's God, wherever God's rule and reign is. That's what the kingdom of God is. Guess what? When, when you work 
at McDonald's, the kingdom of God's rule and reign is breaking into McDonald's because you're there. You're carriers of the kingdom. You're like living arcs. You're like arcs with the presence of God. You're like arcs with legs. You go to shop at Walmart. I told my mom the other day, I said, Mom, when you, she goes to not just Walmart, she goes to the Walmarts. The Walmarts. I said, when you go to the Walmarts, you know, the kingdom of God is in you. I said, Mom, you just, she said, you know what, I believe that. Every once in a while, I just stop and I say, I need to pray for that sweet young thing at the cash register. And she always lets me. And I said, the kingdom of God is breaking in on the Walmarts. We've got to start thinking like that. We don't save the potential of doing the stuff on, for Sunday mornings only. Are you with me so far? Or am I? Well, God sends his own son, a second Adam, on behalf of the king, brings with him the kingdom of God, God's rule and reign. He starts a whole new tribe of people on planet earth. They're called disciples, lovers of God, believers, Christians. Have you noticed there's been a tendency in your life lately when someone finds out you're a Christian, you're a little bit apologetic? Yeah, I'm a Christian, but yeah, I'm a Christian. Well, let's, let's, let's get over that. We're carrying the hope of the world. Someone asks me if I'm a believer, I'll just say, absolutely. Are you interested? You know, we, not, we don't need to get arrogant, but we get to, need to get a little more happy about who we are. We need to get a little more positive about the message that we carry and less apologetic. As subjects of the king, our goal is to work alongside the Father, His Son, and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to look for every opportunity to rob the enemy of His prizes. What's His prizes? People that are trapped in deception, drowning in the valley of decision. That's the prizes He's going after. But our message is the kingdom has come. You know, like what we, we live in what theologians call a time between the times. They love to confuse people, I think, sometimes. Because the first coming of Jesus, it's between the first coming of Jesus and the second coming. Uh, it's, it's now, but not yet. As subject to the king, our job is simply to listen and to obey. Just to listen and obey. Uh, in the Jesus movement, we were all about Jesus' coming. He could come by this weekend. We had a prophecy. I may have told you this the last time I was here, but it's a good story. I'll tell it again. We had a prophecy in about October, November of 1972 that Jesus was coming by Christmas. Everyone was elated except me because I was getting married on the 27th. And, I, and I've got another confession. I said, Lord, could you just wait to the 28th or <laughs> maybe the 29th? And, you know, I just, I'd like to get married, you know, that'd be okay, just, you know. And I really did that, because we, we, I think one of, the, one of the things that went wrong in the Jesus movement is we bought the late great planet Earth myth. We were just looking for an escape plan. We were just looking to get out of here. People uh, would buy houses and not plan on, on paying them off because they thought Jesus would come back and they wouldn't have to pay them off. Guess what? <laughs> so now I teach it. We, we live as if Jesus could come at any moment, but we train ourselves uh, that he could come back. He might not come back for our generation. We need to prepare the next generation. 
So that's how we live now. We live, uh, we live for this world, this cosmos that he loves so much that he sent his only son. Well, the ministry of Jesus, when I was in the Little Rock in the 90s and John Wimber came and spoke, and he, it was a, he was just the most laid-back guy. I mean, he'd be, he'd be talking, and a demon would cry out of somebody in the back of the room, and people, we're in the Baptist church, and not that there's anything wrong with that. We're in a Baptist church, and so they were kind of freaking out about that, and he just said, he just said, now, don't worry, that's just a demon. He said, my, my team is already back there. They're going to pray, and it's going to be all right. That person's going to be delivered. Let me just go on with the message. He was just real laid back, and I loved that. I said, I could be this guy. I could be, I could be like this. I can't be the hypey, spitty guy, but I could be the laid back guy that said, hell, it's just a demon. I love when Smith Wigglesworth, the devil, showed up at the end of his bed one night. He says this in one of his books. He said, oh, it's you. He just rolled over and went to sleep. That's the guy I want to be. I don't want to be afraid of the devil. I want him to be afraid of me. And I don't have to yell at him. I don't even want to have to acknowledge him. If I do, I can just do it in my own voice, in my own personality, with my own language. Doesn't that sound appealing to you? Well, uh, John said something in Little Rock that rocked my world. He said the ministry of Jesus is transferable. Now let that settle in. The ministry of Jesus, all of it, casting out demons, healing the sick, healing every disease, multiplying bread, peanut butter, he can multiply all that. It's transferable. He said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and endues you with power, then you can do this stuff, and, you can, and greater stuff than I did can you do. Now we read that and we believe that, we just don't do that. <laughs> Let's just do it. Let's just do it. John asked God to bless him one time. He said, Lord, bless what I'm doing. And, and we often do that. God, we're having a big meeting, an Easter meeting. Just bless what we're doing. Could you come bless that meeting, bless this effort? Well, John was asking one of those, those questions. He said, Lord, would you bless what I'm doing? And Jesus, uh, and, Jesus and the Holy Spirit spoke into his spirit. He said, I've seen your ministry, <laughs> so let me show you mine. <laughs> I think, I think it, the point of that story, in case you didn't get it, is that Jesus has a greater ministry for us than we realize. But we're going to have to trust the Holy Spirit to blow our minds every now and then. We're going to have to go ahead, even though when we're going to pray for someone to be healing and we're worried, what if they're not healed and they're disappointed and, and I look foolish? Our job is not to heal. Our job is to lay our hands on the sick and to pray the prayer of faith. Only the Holy Spirit heals. Only the Holy Spirit brings miracles and signs and wonders. We're just conduits. We just get to be in the game. That's all it is, all right? I've seen your ministry, and I want to show you mine. There's only one ministry that will truly change lives, and that's Jesus' kingdom ministry. What does that mean? It means saying his words and doing his works. It means proclamation and demonstration. Doesn't always seem logical. Doesn't always seem logical, but as Wimber once said, God sometimes offends our minds to reveal our hearts. Pulling up to a stop sign one time, and the Lord said, stop, stop now. Didn't make sense. I had the green light. Everything was fine. I stopped. 
And just as I stopped, this car ran right through the red light, would have hit me right in the driver's side. Let me tell you, it doesn't make sense to your, your human logic. There's another logic. It's the logic of heaven. It's about what he says and what he does and our response to it. If we can embrace being naturally supernatural, it can be a time that faith can overcome fear. Generosity can overcome greed. Covenant can overcome broken promises. And love can overcome hate. Someone said one time, Jesus started the church he wanted, and now he wants the church he started. (laughs) Jesus started the church he wanted, now he wants the church he started. That's a prophetic cry from heaven all across the world. All across the world. I believe people are longing to see a naturally supernatural church where they do the stuff. They don't just talk about the stuff. They don't just have classes on the stuff. They don't just form committees to talk about, well, what if we might do the stuff one day? They do the stuff. We're teaching our kids at Fellowship of Christians to do the stuff. They're getting words of knowledge. They're getting prophetic words. They're laying their hands on people to pray for them, expecting them to be healed. Hopefully, they'll be naturally supernatural as they go forward. Now, I don't like being thought of as weird any more than you do. Part of being open to the Holy Spirit is going to open you up to folks thinking that you're weird. But you know what? If you lay your hands on a friend of theirs that's sick and they're healed, they will no longer think that you're weird. They won't think about you at all. They'll think about the Holy Spirit being wonderful. What would it be like if... Oh, gosh. What would it be like if we took the proclamation of this message of the kingdom through these doors beyond the church walls? I believe we'd see hundreds of people come out of the valley of decision and become lovers of God. Amen.